welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. I'm Saw Needham, alongside somebody who is enamored <laughs> by the Hollywood sign behind us. Love that view. That uh, we've decided to do another show. Why not? It's like everything else is closed down, and we do live in Hollywood. In fact, I got the idea. So we wanted to... Uh, take the show on the road for the summer. Go places. Yes. And that was our goal. And one of the places, for example, was the Grammy Museum downtown near Staples Center. Um, and so that was on the agenda, for example. Well, with uh, the lockdown and everything, we couldn't get out to some of the places that we wanted to do. So we became creative. And we still wanted to get out and uh, do some fun shows on the road for the summer. Because in Los Angeles, we can do that because of the weather. Other places, we would be... Probably freezing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Here we're melting, like the witch and the Wizard of Oz. Another ninety de- yeah. degree day. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so so we've gone places. So we went to um, New Hall Refinery, which was a restaurant out mm-hmm. in your uh, neck of the woods, Santa Clarita. Yep. And then we were able to go to the DoubleTree Hotel downtown, the uh, the gardens there, the Japanese gardens. And then we were able to go to El Torito, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then of course, the Creme de la Creme. The beach. Yes. A couple times. Long Beach. That was amazing. And so one time then, someone, uh, I posted some pictures. I think we were at the, uh, I think I was at the Santa Monica Pier and post some pictures. And someone sent me a message saying that they used to live here, but they moved away. And they thought it was pretty cool to kind of see some of the old sites that they used to mm-hmm. see when they were here. Mm-hmm. And that sprung the idea of, okay, well, if things are still kind of locked down. We can't get into places. Where can we go? That's, our, that's some of these kind of landmarks. Right. And the Hollywood sign is obviously a landmark. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest signs in the world. You know, technically, it's a sign. Yes. And so it's one of the biggest uh, in the world. And um, I know last time we gave a little bit of uh, history. Did you have history on it? Did you write down any history? I felt like I stole your thunder last episode <laughs> with the history of the uh, Hollywood sign. Did you have any you wanted to share? I did not have history of the Hollywood sign. I am enamored with the... Um the meaning behind it, but and the promises and the hope behind it, but not. I don't Ooh. have the exact. Okay, let's. Um, so I'm gonna give a little bit of history real quick in case people did not uh, catch. If you want to know the full history that we went through, you can check out our last episode. But uh, just briefly, and then you can give me your thoughts on uh, what you're just talking about as far as the the symbolism and the uh, the meaning and how it touches your heart. Okay, so first off, the Hollywood sign was put up there in 1923 as a billboard, a temporary billboard, and it actually said Hollywood Land because below us, which is the way we're facing down the hill, there was a uh, uh, development of housing that was going to be uh, developed, uh, anywhere from $150 to $400 for a parcel of land, and uh, maybe that included the house, I don't know. But uh, Hollywood Land was the sign that was advertising this tract of land. And so throughout the years... Um, the land part obviously slid off, and so it became Hollywood. And up until 1944, I think it was, um, it was privatized. Actually, 1949. Um, no, 1944, it was privatized. And then in 1944, it was given to the city of L.A., donated. 1949, it was renovated. And that's kind of when it was changed to Hollywood because the land was just, uh, you just couldn't get the L.A.N.D. on there because of the uh, sliding of the, the hill there and stuff. And then in 1973, it became a historical landmark. Each letter, supposedly, is 45 feet tall, and the whole thing is about 450 feet long or wide. Um, it's now 
um, run by the Hollywood Sign Trust over the years has been renovated several times. There was one suicide, 1932. Uh, a wannabe actress, Peg Entwith, uh, I think that's how you say her name, uh, was 24, year old, 24 years old, and she jumped off the H of the Hollywood sign. So in true macabre fashion, <laughs> much like a lot of other things in Hollywood, we have a little bit of macabre with the Hollywood sign. <laughs> and so that's kind of in a nutshell. Again, it was just a billboard to promote Hollywood land track, a housing development that was $21,000 to erect. And all these years later, it's now become a symbol and that symbol means many things to many people, and it means what to you? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, what does it mean to me personally? I don't know. The, the Hollywood is such a it's a it's a place of um, fantasy. It's a place of hope. It's a place of um, perceived success. You know, there's a lot of you know people want to come to Hollywood and and be famous, and it's kind of an interesting thing because there's not too many. Um, crafts or not too many occupations where it's like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, famous, like a famous doctor or fame. That is, isn't the goal. It's the field. That's the goal. It's the knowledge. That's the goal. It's the craft. That's the goal. But in, in Hollywood, it's, you know, stardom is the goal, which is kind of an odd upside down thing. But, um, yeah, the Hollywood sign, people come from all over the world to have their picture. There's people, I don't know, walking around behind us at different times, taking pictures of themselves with the Hollywood sign. It's just something that we see on TV and in the movies that has always fascinated us. And then, you know, we want to come and be a part of it um, and see it for ourselves. I've personally been on um, 99 different television shows, actually 97 and two movies. I was in American Sniper and the other movie, I cannot, I don't know the name of it. Um, I still haven't been able to track it down because we had to sign in I, uh, nondescript, non you know, it was like, yeah, non-disclosure and it was top secret when we were doing it and they gave a fake name on Apparently the production still top line. Secret, cause I haven't heard of it either. You know, and the, the actor is a comedian. He has a beard and a mustache. Um, uh, I cannot, he's kind of like a strawberry blonde. And I, so I tried to look him up and carrot top. no. He and the movie is an autobiography of him. You know, it's his own story, I guess. And so I was a the hotel clerk. I checked them in, and I, for the life of me, I cannot remember his name, and I can't remember the Jim Gaffigan. Maybe that's the only guy that remotely. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I will look that up after the show and see if that's him. But anyway, um, I've been on ninety nine different different um, productions here in Hollywood, so I've seen kind of the ins and outs, um, both sides of it. And it's fascinating, I will say. I love being on set, absolutely, um, as a background actor. And um, I've learned a lot. But we, if you want to hear about all of that, you can go to our last um, show. Yes. So we are talking, sitting but, under the Hollywood sign. Yes, we are on the side. But you mentioned, real quick, you mentioned, I didn't get to use this last uh, episode, so I'm going to bring it up. You mentioned nobody goes out to try to become a famous doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here, just quickly... Uh, Will Smith made $100 million for Men in Black 3. Harrison Ford made $65 million for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Cameron Diaz, $42 million for A Bad Teacher. Uh, Emma Stone, $26 million for La La Land. Uh, Tom Hanks, $60 million for Forrest Gump. Okay? So, big money, right? A cardiologist, on the average, makes about $340,000 a year. An, arch, uh, an anesthesiologist makes about 328000 a year. An orthodontist, 259000 A police officer ranges, but on the average, roughly sixty grand. 
firefighter, a little bit more, 110 grand on the average-ish, and a public school teacher, 85,000. So you can see the allure of wanting to make it in Hollywood, especially with the big bucks, because you may not be a famous cardiologist and only making you know a few hundred thousand a year when you can have your name in lights, make $26 million for a show or, or a movie, it's your name on the Walk of Fame and be forever remembered. I'm sure there are people that go after it for that reason, but they're the ones that usually don't succeed. Yeah, could be. The people that succeed are the ones that go after it for their craft. For the acting craft? For Well, either for directing or writing or acting. Um, and the evidence of that is all of the great shows and all the great movies that have really touched us over the years. There's some real talent out there. So I... I think there is, you know, we're sitting under the Hollywood sign, so I think there is that allure that people want to be famous. They want to have, um, you know, a lot of money and a lot of fans. But you're not going to get very far in Hollywood if that's your goal. Right. You're just not. <laughs> so the real, the talented ones rise to the top, and we, those are the ones that, you know, kind of make it, and then they make a gazillion dollars, but it's their talent that normally gets them there. You see people like Anna Nicole Smith who made movies, but she, she, we, she wasn't considered, you know, a talent. And so her legacy will not rise to the occasion of a Hollywood star. Right. Right. So you have the people that are in Hollywood that are working and that are talented and they, you know, the cream rises to the top, just like in any industry. Um, unfortunately this industry, the way the pay structure is, is that, you know, there's a lot of coming money coming in. And so there's, obviously a lot of money going out and <laughs> you don't have that kind of pay structure in other jobs, unfortunately. Um, but, but again, like teaching, you know, people don't go into teaching for the money either. True. So they, they go into it because of, that's what's in their heart and it's what's in their craft. So I've met both on set. I've met both people that are seeking the stardom, but I also meet people who are um, going after the craft and they have goals to be a top and a list, um, star i've met a few of those and they're really working it and they probably will be someday but then there are other people who just want the fame and the money and so they're never they don't really get far for very long so why do you want to do it be a background actor Yeah, why do you do that um because it's a way for me to be on set and it's a way for me to learn and it's a way for me to see what is going on i absolutely love the activity there's just activities like a like there's all these people just moving constantly everywhere all these different departments all these different um things that are going on constantly equipment and writers and people are running everywhere and the hair and the makeup trailer i love it i just love being a part of that um would i ever be you know do i have ambitions to be an actress um no because then i would have to stop I would have to jump into that, you know, I'd have to have acting lessons, I would have to have an agent, I would have to go on auditions. Um, I really love to study. As you know, I'm an ac- I love academia, I love, um, if you look at my social media, I'm all about character development, I'm all about, I love, like, leading um, team building meetings, and I lead a life group, and, and I mentor, and so I really like all of that. But being a background actor allows me to... Um, be a part of the Hollywood just a little bit and to be on set and to have a front row seat on hearing the director tell the actor, can you do it this way? Can you try it that way? Can you, you know, and just to see that firsthand, I, yeah, I love it. 
Well, one of the things, obviously, that's important in Hollywood is relationships, who you know. Yes. Who you know business. Definitely. And sometimes those relationships, much like other relationships, can go south. So how do you bridge the gap and bring those relationships back, restore them if they're possible? And you do that through the process of reconciliation. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. And so, again, you mentioned you liked the academia. So I got a definition. (laughs) And reconciliation basically is to restore friendly relationships. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Um. Restore friendly relationships. Um, yeah, because if you want to reconcile with somebody, you don't. You're not going to. It's restore an angry relationship no, or an unfriendly one. That's no, why it's definitely a restoration. I would agree with that. I I probably wouldn't use the word friendly um, because to me that's not deep enough. That doesn't convey. Um, that doesn't convey a deep enough relationship. But yeah, it's definitely a restoration, and we've talked about a lot about forgiveness and a lot about. Um, um, grace and, and relationships in, in past podcasts. And I think I was thinking about reconciliation. The first part of it is that you both parties have to be in agreement, And I think that's where we get tripped up because sometimes one party wants to reconcile, which is to restore, which means that something is broken and the other person is not always on the same page. So you got to make sure that first of all, that both parties are on the same page. Like they both want to restore either I, I don't know, I would say back to the way it was, because if it's broken, that means it wasn't quite right, but um, bring it back into a, a place of health. Yeah, so basically you're dealing with past issues, right. issues that are in the past that might have uh, caused a riff, mm-hmm. and you want to build toward a positive relationship. Right. You want And that may, t- may take time, or the process you mm-hmm. know, might take time, but that's what you're doing. So something mm-hmm. happened in the past mm-hmm. to drive a wedge between a couple people, or mm-hmm. whatever, entity, mm-hmm. And now you want to build that bridge again and bring that relationship back together somehow, mm-hmm. if it's possible. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, A, have a, a uh, recognition of the fact that, yes, yeah, something happened. Mm-hmm. And if one party doesn't think that something happened, then it's probably reconciliation isn't going to happen. Right. Because it has to be mutual. Right. Or it doesn't matter. Or um, maybe the other person doesn't think they did anything wrong or um, they don't really care you know, as much. So you have definitely have to be on the same page. Yeah. So first you have to understand there is a problem, right? Uh, then you have to, um, well, I guess, first of all, there has to be a problem. Then you have to understand that there's a problem in order for you guys to realize or two people to realize that, okay, is this something that we want to restore? Is it something that we just want to kick to the curb and move on? Um, and then I think there takes a, uh, a preparation on the part of both parties to see if it's something, what can they do? what could be done to bring the two parties back together mm-hmm. and then take the necessary action mm-hmm. to mend the bridge. So were you, did you have an example to frame um, all of this on or should we make one up? Cause it's easier to understand in concrete well, um, terms. Well, yeah, I mean, we could make one up because I don't really have anything specific. I mean, there's a few, a few relationships out there. One in particular that is um, problematic right now and, I don't really want to reconcile. I just wanted to. I just want. Just to wanted get, to be over. <laughs> I just want to get what. Basically, in a nutshell, uh, I helped someone out in a time of need, and the agreement was that in due time, the the repayment of my help would be given back to me. Mm. 
Okay. And so now attempts to, and it was a friend, someone I consider a friend, they consider me a friend. And so now attempts to, per the arrangement, the agreement, to get back have uh, been ignored. Just ignored. Okay. Not, no response or nothing. So now I don't have no, I, I don't have any right now, any desire to reconcile. I just want what I'm owed basically. And then I want to just move on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe down the road, I don't know. Um, but let's, if we use that as an example for a reconciliation to take place. Well, that situation might not, I mean, like if you're saying like down the road, we might reconcile. Sometimes you don't have to. Right, and I may not want to. Right, and then there's, yeah. and then you shouldn't sometimes because no. it's some because some people are not healthy, yeah. and so reconciliation isn't a given. It's right. not like okay, yeah. now it's time to. That may not happen. There's, if you if you like you grew up in the church, so I know you would imagine uh, there's a lot of issues with church relationships and people. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. churches split, uh, which I've been a part of. Obviously, relationships in churches split. Um, so there's all kinds of issues and there's been times where I was involved. I was a part of a church split, uh, I think 08, I think it was about 08 and the pastor then, and there was a lot of things said back and forth, mainly on the other part, the other people's side. Um, and so the pastor then wanted to reconcile with them and I said, I ain't doing it. I walked away and I don't think he was happy with the fact, but I don't want to be friends with them again or reconcile. Screw that. Um, because I don't want to. And so obviously that's never going to happen. I haven't seen any of them since, mm-hmm. nor have I want to. And so I think that's kind of a difference. Now, I don't know if I've ever had, I mean, you think about the simplicity and the innocence of maybe on the school playground, your friends, you're hanging out, you're doing, you're, you're, you're having fun. And then you get into a fight over the jump rope or something stupid. Right. And now you're not friends anymore. And then all of a sudden you're friends again. Okay, it's a very simplistic way to reconcile, but that's pretty much what it is. You know, you realize the fight over the ball or whatever on the playground was stupid, so you realize, okay, that was done. We shouldn't have done that, you know, and then you make up. I'm sorry. You're sorry, too. Okay, let's go be friends again, and now you're reconciled. So in a, in a simplistic, innocent way, that's basically the concept of reconciliation. But I think what happens as we get older, uh, there's a lot of things that kind of hinder that, and I think we just get wise to the fact that, nah, I don't think it's for me. Um, but it also starts too. That's the, because reconciliation to me is the final step of the forgiveness process. And then if you go back to the forgiveness process, if that isn't taken care of first, then you're not going to reconcile. Right. And just, and I also want to say that if you, just because forgiveness has happened, doesn't mean that you reconcile. Sometimes you, there, it's not safe to reconcile or it's, or it's just not a good idea. Um, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Yeah. But you can't have reconciliation without forgiveness. You Correct. can have forgiveness without reconciliation. Correct. Yeah. And that's the thing. And so until that first thing gets taken care of, um, which is either on your part because you give up the grudge, you give up the thing that we've talked about in the past for forgiveness. You know, we're giving up something without getting justice. Right. Without getting vengeance. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. Or the other side that offends you or does you wrong comes to you and apologizes mm-hmm. and then there's that uh mm-hmm. you know forgiveness mm-hmm. relationship exchange right um and so in my case you know i'm not giving up the vengefulness i'm not giving up the um the wanting justice mm-hmm. and so i haven't gone to the forgiveness stage yet for this person and so mm-hmm. that's just what it is mm-hmm. um but that but 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 the key thing is is oftentimes too 
things such as pride can get in the way mm-hmm. and these outlying things keep us from yeah. reconciling and that could be problematic too. So let me give, let me give us a concrete example so that we can chew on, um, chew on the example around this because this, a lot of this has to do with trust, which we talked about in great length. Um, we have two beach, um, podcast episodes at long beach, um, Actually, there's four episodes, but the last two, um, I was in the long dress. That's the one that we were talking about trust um, issues. And that it has a lot to do with this. Um, I'm, I lead a group at work, um, and we're doing like team building activities. We have like a two-hour meeting every couple of weeks. Um, there has been some issues between them. And they're all good people. All of them are professionals. All of them are highly qualified to do their job. But all four of them are um, really good at their job and have been there for a long time. And so they all have these strong personalities and have the ideas of the ways that things should go. But they do not have or have not had the tools to communicate properly. And so it has gotten to the point where there's a wedge um, in the communication and they have stopped communication. Resentment has built up. Um, anxiety has built up. Not wanting to come to work has built up. It's, it's, you know, and it's not for any other reason except that they just didn't have the tools. And sometimes that's all it is, is that some of these relationship problems is that the people, we just don't have the right communication tools to communicate in a way that's healthy and also, we come into communication with somebody else with baggage. So if we are passive-aggressive or if we're codependent or if we're a people-pleaser, um, it makes it twice as hard to use the tools, the proper tools, to communicate, and it becomes almost impossible. So, for example, um, there were some issues with, um, uh, let's say, for example, um, somebody answered the phone and then they were being kind of short and condescending about, you know, handling that call for someone else. And then maybe someone else got tired of talking to a person. And so they started sending emails instead. And then the emails were in all capital letters, like silly stuff. Right. But then they're like, Oh, she's yelling at me. Oh, she's being snarky. Oh, she's, you know, not, you know, talking to me. And there's all these underlying things. Um, messages that were being given because they didn't know how to say the way that you talk to me is, is really hurtful. When you slam your door and when you throw things like um, it just makes my skin crawl. And then I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, is it me? Is did I do something wrong? Is I, you know, and then we, we just get all this anxiety, right? Because we're not being honest about what's going on with us. And then we're not able to ask that person, Hey, what is going on? Can you calm down? Like you're acting out of control right now. We don't know how to talk back to people. We don't know how to give feedback in a way, um, that is helpful because we don't know how that person is going to respond. They might yell at us. They might be defensive. They might call us names. They might, you know, have a temper tantrum. We don't know that. And so we're like, Oh, I'm just not going to say anything. Let me just stay away from them for a while. Okay. Well, that's, causes distress and discord and that's not good for a team because you have to interact to get the product done you have to if you're making a widget the widget's got to go out to the customer right and um so these tools of you know so you're talking about reconciliation so we're we're i'm leading these meetings and the first meeting was awful nobody wanted to talk they all kind of just you know sat there with their arms crossed and nobody wanted to say anything 
And I said, look, it's okay. Like we're going to build trust. You know, this is a safe space. And, and it took the first meeting was kind of, you know, rocky. Second meeting was better. Third meeting was way better. Um, and all it took was to be able to say, this hurts me. Um, and when you do this, it's, I don't like it. And then that person was able to say, okay, but I'm acting that way because when I come and talk to you, you're reacting in a way and then, and they're feeding off of each other. So just be with the way that they were able to say that with me in the room, you know, a moderator, um, it, it's grow. I mean, it's helping so much and all they needed to do was just air out, you know, what they were feeling, but they're afraid to say it because they don't know how it's going to go. And then they also have things that they need as well. So the reconciliation is, is sometimes you have to, you know, everybody, they didn't want it at first. When I first suggested it, they were like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> we just, like, there's no other way to do it. I'm not going to, like, let me just talk to you privately. I'm like, no, we're all going to sit down as a group. We're all going to get it out. And, and lo and behold, now they're like, yeah, let's have, you know, another one. So it was a conscious decision to release those feelings. Yeah. Basically is what it comes down to. Based on my prompting. Like yeah. I, sometimes well, yeah, yeah, I had to really pull teeth for yeah. a while, but yeah, they had to make, because that's part of trust. Part of trust is we have to be a good receiver and we have to be a good giver. So if someone is vulnerable and they say, I'm having a really bad day, this um, customer, whatever, just like really ticked me off. They were really mean. And I'm sorry, I'm taking out on you coworker. It's not about you. It's, you know, about this other situation. When we're vulnerable like that, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I was up all night. Like, I'm really cranky. Then that person knows that, okay, it's not about them. And they don't have to take it personal. So then they can also be vulnerable and say, yeah, I'm feeling really uneasy when you act that way. And then they're able to work it out. And they're able to work together with the common goal of reconciling, you know, in a way that, people actually want to come to work and they don't want to just hide and stay away from each other. So the elements, we talk about elements of reconciliation from that um, example with the the work and the meetings. So first there had to be truth involved. Mm -hmm. You had to have Mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. If you lie about what's the problem, then you're not going to get anywhere. So that has to be truth. Um, Obviously there has to be. You have to be able to give and receive the truth. Yeah. Both. Uh, justice and justice doesn't necessarily have to mean the swift acts, but there has to be an understanding that, okay, I may have offended you or I may be treating you differently because I slammed the door or I tell her to calm down or whatever. And so I have to realize that that's wrong and make that change. So that way it doesn't trigger you into something. And that goes back and forth. And then we get back to the, the rift. Um, obviously the forgiveness, which we talk about, okay, you did me wrong. I did you wrong. We realize it. Let's, you know, we're going to let go, make the conscious decision to let go of all the resentment, the vengefulness, the wanting justice, the anger and all that. We let that go. And then the healing process starts. Okay. So you're starting to build that trust again, because you're not going to probably, depending on the situation, you may not jump right back into fully trusting somebody. You might have to, to build it up again. Mm Mm-hmm. And realize that there could be time because the first time I say calm down to you, is that going to blow up the rift again? Or is that going to be okay understanding that this might be a one time where you lack sleep and so you might just be cranky? Or uh, maybe something else is going on because you're getting heat from somebody else and so now so you're I, Yeah, so I gave them a code word. 
So I gave them a seat. Pineapple. <laughs> no, not pineapple. Oh. I gave them a code. Just ouch. I just I gave them a code word, and they actually went two weeks without saying it. Really? But yeah, that was all the time. So yeah, I, I thought it was going to be flying all day long, but um, but no, they're they're getting all these concepts, and so um, I gave them a code word. So if someone is you know cranky and having a temper tantrum or whatever, and the person just says, ouch, that's all they have to say. Because they don't have time in the middle of the day to have, like, a conversation right. and go call the therapist and, like, you know, whatever. So you just say, ouch. So that's a signal to the person who's overreacting. Oh, shoot. Okay. I'm doing that thing that really causes that person stress. Okay, let me stop. And then it allows the person that they're talking to just to stand up for themselves, say, ouch, like, okay, you're doing that thing. It's hurting me. It's causing me stress. And that's it's just a very simple a very simple task. And so the trust is built when if person A says ouch to person B, if person B stops, oh, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Wasn't about you. Person A says, okay, no worries. Yeah, let's move on. That's what builds the trust. But if they have an agreed upon system to say ouch and person B is like, I don't care, you know, and they just keep flying off the handle, well, then you're not going to build trust. It's not going to be a safe place to be a both a giver and a receiver of feedback now what if somebody stubs their toe and says ouch is that problematic <laughs> swear everyone, words and <laughs> everyone's like what did i do what did i do if we were if we were to implement that this would be 60 minutes of ouch uh, we just be ouch 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 ouch, ouch. It'd be ouch do i hurt you it'd be ouch no <laughs> i am teflon yeah they had the teflon don yes i'm teflon son teflon son yes. hey uh so okay so then what part of of love i'm not talking about romance love but that could be in a relationship, a, a personal relationship, where you bring in the romance part of love. But just love in general, love for the other person, love one another. Um, so where would that play into it? Because there would have to be some sort of uh, love involved in that relationship yeah. to be like, okay, I'm going to appreciate this person. Therefore, when they say, ouch, I'm not going to jump on them. And I'm going to realize, okay, there's something here. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have any concerns, any uh, feelings... Uh, towards somebody, and I'm not talking about romance again. We're just talking about, you know, no, things. yeah. There has to be that involved too, because if you don't care about the other person, you're not going to care at all. You're not going to care at all, and that's actually in team building. That's what we call being for someone, and being for someone means um, I've come up with a couple different things. I haven't settled um, exactly on it, but I was coming up with things like faithful. Um, uh, I forget the other ones, but they, when you're for someone, it means that you're putting that relationship ahead of your own personal feelings. So for example, so they, so they understood this concept. We were talking about, okay, it's about the team. It's about the goal. It's about, um, the, the work being achieved. And when we're for each other, then everything, you don't have to worry about your personal stance because everyone will be taken care of. Um, and that's where the, that's the love that you're talking about is, you know, covering everything. And so, um, they understood that. And then somebody said, um, Okay, well, when I do this certain thing with the file, I need it to be done this way because when I'm under the gun and under a time pressure, then I don't have time to do this. I have to do it this way. And the other person, even though we had just talked about we have to be for the team, this other person started saying, well, that's just the way that I do it and I'm doing it the right way and that's the way that we agreed on. And I was like, wait a second, hold on. Listen to what your teammate is saying. She's under stress that like, like she's the person that does X, Y, and Z 
and when there's a lot of calls coming in or a lot of customers coming in or a lot of busyness in the office on certain times, that puts her under more stress because she's the only, she's the one that has to take the brunt of all that noise. The customer's coming in and the phone calls or whatever. She has to take the, and now you're telling her and she's saying to you during those times, do not schedule something like this way. I need you to do it a different way. And this other person was like, well, no. (laughs) And I had to stop and I'm like, wait a second. We just talked about being for the team. So if the ultimate goal is a less stressful day and to relieve the tension, then you have to pay attention to where your teammate is under stress. And if she's saying to you, I need it a different way, it would really alleviate a lot of pressure if you do this a different way. If you're willing to put aside your your, um, wanting an A-plus like she's got like a system and like this is the way it's done and that and like if you're not willing to bend then you're what you're saying is you're causing your teammate stress and you don't care so and then you and then you're mad because she's cranky right. <laughs> i'm like that you can't have it both ways so yeah to love someone to be for someone to be for the team means that i might have to do something a different way so that this person has relief and so that they have um some some pressure lifted off of them so I can make their job easier which makes all of our job easier well that's the thing that's one of the things that just makes for better relationships is knowing that um, in situations like I guess it goes back also to leadership because if you have a strength okay when we were doing this podcast I knew I had certain strengths to do the show. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for somebody that would not be the same strengths as me, mm-hmm. but someone that would be the opposite and fill in some of the uh, places that um, aren't my strengths. So that way you have this compatibility mm-hmm. of, of stuff. So there's things that I might be able to do uh, for the podcast that you can't. There's things you can do and bring to the table that I can. So that brings it together. And so I'm not going to sit there and tell you how to do your strengths. Um. You know, and you're not going to do the same to me. And we're going to trust each other to do our jobs mm-hmm. uh, to to make this you know go forward. So where does that fit in? Because there'd be times in a business where, okay, sure, someone wants files done a certain way. So naturally, if the other person has to deal with the files, then they want it done a certain way. That's helpful for them. But what if my strength is I can do it this way, and this system this way is better? Then how do you resolve something like that? Um, you have to talk about it and you have to put all of those things on the table and you have to have an ultimate goal. So um, if you say, okay, the ultimate goal is to create the widget by Friday or to have a podcast, you know, once a week or to whatever that ultimate goal is, then you say, okay, this is the goal. And then everything underneath of that has to benefit the goal. So if if the system that you're doing it is is better and helps you do your job better and it helps the goal, then by all means, that's the way that it should be done. But if it's hindering the goal and it's making, and it's causing a problem for other people, because sometimes we don't realize, like this has happened several times in the team meetings, like we just don't realize the collateral damage. Like there was someone that was missing deadlines and the other person was like, but you don't understand the deadlines that you have in your department they can be, they're malleable. They don't, they don't necessarily have to be at the exact moment that you say, but in my department, there's, it's so concrete. Like 
I can't, there, this is a hard, hard, hard deadline that I have to meet. And if you're not giving me what I need, it affects everybody. It affects like, you know, 30 people. So we have to, like, what is the goal? So like if, if you know, payroll has to get out, the, that's the goal. And so everybody has to come figure out, like, what do we, what is my part in order to get the payroll out? And if it's, if it's facilitating that in a timely manner that that's not causing stress, then you can talk about it and put everybody's ideas on the table. This is the goal and all these ideas on the table. If I do this, is that going to affect you in a negative way or is that going to affect you in a positive way? And then the other person says the same thing. Well, if I do it this way, is it going to cause a negative effect or a positive effect? And, and it's not about like your way or my way. It's about this is the deadline. This is the goal. This is what we're trying to create. And so we need to work together. And so sometimes when you have those conversations, you might get your way and we might decide, yeah, I would prefer that we do it this way. However, if it's going to cause you a bunch of stress, then I can change or vice versa. But a lot of times people are not willing to do that. They're not, they're not truthful in telling the truth. Like I want to do it this way because it's, it's affecting these things. And then they're also not able to receive the truth. It's like, okay, well you can do that, but now I can't meet this hard deadline over here and that's just not going to work. So we have to be able to, to put all the pros and cons on the table. You have to be able to discuss it in a way that people don't take it personal in a way that, that the goal, the common goal is higher priority than each other's ways. And if you can do that without, um, you know, taking it personal, it's just the communication. People just don't know how to communicate without taking it personal or without, um, they might have to, they just might not get their way. And people are not always okay with that. So I think it's important to discuss that because one of the benefits besides having, um, uh, uh, a relationship rebuilt, though, is that for yourself, it could bring bring about a deep healing, you know, and healing for you, healing for the other person. Because how many times do we go through life and we have struggles with somebody, whether it be in family or whether it be in um, a business relationship, and there's that underlying tension. Yeah. Yep. And until you take care of that, yep, you're not going to feel better. And there could be nothing, you know, there could be nothing serious. Like some of the stuff you're going through could be like very serious stuff that affects people. But sometimes it could just be the littlest things. It could be a misunderstanding. It could be uh, a misinterpretation of something, uh, of feelings or emotions or something, um, you know, or sarcasm taken, taken wrong. That's where group therapy is really helpful. If you could get someone to sit with your family and... Um, I don't have a license, and so I, I would love to, like, because I love facilitating groups. But when you, those things just, they have to be, all it is is that they have to be put out on the table. That's just all it is. They have to be put out on the table in a safe way. And if you don't have, um, if you are, are not sure that it's going to be safe or not sure how people are going to take things, have a third person in the room to, 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 like, be the moderator so that it's safe. Because I've had families, like, they'll say, oh, we're not going to tell grandma because she would be really upset, so we're going to keep this information from her. I hate that. 
what every time I hear that, it just like, oh, they, they can't hand this person can't handle it. So we're just not going to tell them you're facilitating manipulation. You are robbing that person of the dignity of making their own decisions. You're robbing that person of the dignity of having their own emotions. And sometimes things are upsetting and that's, we have to go through upsetting things because that's how we grow. So if, if we're a person that like people are, oh, she's going through too much right now. I'm just not going to tell her. That is so selfish to me. I just get really uncorked when I hear people say that because we, we all have the dignity of being able to handle a situation the way that we want. And the only way that we grow is to have hard stuff come along, learn how to navigate it. And so what you're talking about is just, you just have to sit down and talk. See, because the other, the other aspect of it too, besides that healing for yourself is or that deep healing is that uh, inner peace mm-hmm. that you get because in reconciliation sure you want to build that bridge again and get that relationship uh you know working again and and all that but also you want to bring yourself peace okay so i mentioned earlier that um you know someone that's kind of pissing me off with this relationship uh agreement that we had and just ignoring me and not you know paying attention and it's like you know it takes me off now i don't dwell on it but every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, I should reach out again because X amount of time has passed by. I shouldn't have to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And so it causes me a lot of irritation, which mm-hmm. then I could take out on other people. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, um, then I let it go so that I get my peace back. So basically what I'm doing is I'm reconciling with myself back and forth because sometimes I'll get ticked off and then other times I'll have peace about it. Then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but, the other, but, but that's the other thing, too, is that you're not only taking care of the situation, but it's taking care of peace for yourself. It's taking care of things for you so that doesn't become a, a, a deep-seated root of a weed that then takes over and starts mm-hmm. corrupting your soul and, mm-hmm. and kind of decaying you from the inside because there's a lot of things that are going on that we can hold on to. Yeah. Because like you mentioned, reconciliation may not happen. It's not right. a guarantee. Right. Nor does it have to happen. You can choose not to and be like, you know what? I'm not going to reconcile this person because I'm done with them. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you should probably still in some capacity forgive them so that way you release what's burdening you mm-hmm. so you can get that inner peace. So you should do something for yourself. Yeah, and I would also say there's forgiveness that has to come for yourself too, because like my neighbor, um, I told this story a couple shows ago, had two kids and they lent both of them money. The one kid was very responsible, paid them back, but he had a track record of being responsible his entire life, right? The other kid, they gave the same amount of money to, um, wasn't responsible, had a track record of not being responsible their entire life, did not pay the money back. And then the parents were really mad. Like, I can't believe that this kid didn't pay the money back. And I said, okay, but the track record shows that this person wasn't really a trustworthy person to lend money to. And that's a hard thing. Like we, sometimes we get into, not always, um, but sometimes we get ourselves into situations that we cause because we are getting involved with people who are not trustworthy. Okay, so what if though? So we have and, to forgive ourselves. Yes, but so what if so you lend the money to the person that had the great track record, mm-hmm. and then boom, they don't they end up not. Um, then I would say see, that's where then, I would. I don't know the story that you're referring no, to. But my like guess your, your, would be like for your neighbor, like your neighbor. You're talking about your neighbor. My guess would be that there are. If that happened, then that means that there were red flags that were ignored. I, I, that's just my guess. Mm. I don't know without knowing for right, sure. Right, right, right. 
But if someone had a good track record and they were deemed, you know, trustworthy and then all of a sudden something's going on and they didn't, you know, pay it back, I would say that there's probably um, red flags that were missed or ignored or deemed not important. And they turned out to be bigger than, turned out to be a parachute. Like, So one of the things uh, here at the end that I want to touch on is if somebody has done something, okay, to somebody else. And oftentimes if there's a rift, you know, you're talking about mediation in a way in, in the examples that you use with work. You're there, you're taking both sides. But there might be a situation that arises where something happens, maybe you did something to somebody and it caused that rift and now you want to take the steps to to amend that situation, reconcile. And so the other person, um, you have no idea, okay? So when you're dealing with that type of thing. So if you're somebody that wants to maybe try to reconcile with somebody, because maybe you were the one that was in the wrong, there was a couple things that I, that I thought that came up that was uh, pretty interesting, which a lot of people don't do, is one, we got to take responsibility for what we did. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we don't, don't want to make it. Do that. Right. That's the hard part because we, we it could be 90% their part, but there's all there's always some small part that's ours. We have to own our part. So it could just be, I got involved with this person. That could be your 10%. And we have to take re- responsibility for that. And we often don't want to look at that part. We just want to look at the 90% horrible that the other person is. And so then once we take our responsibility, because let's say we're the offender, then you go to the person and, you know, apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, sorry I did this. You know, like you said, you start talking about it. And then once you kind of apologize for that, then hopefully there's that forgiveness that we talked about mm-hmm. where, you know, they forgive you for what you've done, let's say. And then the interesting thing that I thought was was uh, was kind of interesting was this thing called making amends mm-hmm. where you kind of and, – and it gets skipped a lot mm-hmm. because you have to then kind of make amends according to what you did wrong. Now, in the justice system, obviously, that could be a jail sentence or whatever, but I'm talking about relationships. It might be something. And – that making amends could be if you're in a relationship, you don't go out with your buddies and that's what you're giving up because that's the untrustworthy behavior that got you in trouble. Or maybe at work you don't do something because that's uh, what causes the problem. So a making amends could basically be just, you know, paying back the wrong that you did or making a change so the wrong doesn't continue mm-hmm. and things like that. So there has to be some sort of amends if you really truly want to get there. And then the final thing then comes to that reconciliation. And uh, it was interesting because a lot of the stuff that I read was people think it happens like that overnight, but it's a process. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, a process that process. can take a long time. It could be intense. Forgiveness is immediate. Trust is a long process. And then like you've been talking about, you know, was you might need to have somebody in a, uh, be a mediator like you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, that came up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then maybe over the course of time, those relationships, I mean, you think of, I think of people... Um, in dating relationships, for example, something happens, you break up. And then maybe a couple of years later, now you're getting back together. Mm-hmm. You know, it took some time and the you're meant to be, you know, type of thing is there. Mm-hmm. But maybe it took a while. And then, you know, years later down the road, you're like, oh, remember when we were apart for two years? And then, you know, that's but reconciliation took time right. and eventually got back together and then, you know, who knows from there. But that's the thing. People like to, in this immediate gratification world, in this everything is now, sometimes it is a process. And sometimes that process can be difficult. Mm-hmm. It could be something that's tricky. It could have a lot of setbacks along the way, a lot of bumpy roads. 
uh, a lot of like uh, you know potholes in the road, so mm-hmm. to speak. But if you stay committed to that and you really want it, you can make it work out if that's what you really want to do. If it's if it's worth it, right? If it's worth, it, that's what you really want to do, right? So that the the whole part of making amends, restitution, changing your um, behavior, it, it's I am always reminded of the stories that I hear about people cheating on each other, and so. There's a, um, I know a person that, um, their husband cheated on them. And so he left and went to, um, live with the person that he was cheating with. And then that didn't work out. So he came back and the wife let him back in the house. Then he did it again. And then he came back to the house. And so, uh, you know, this happened, you know, several times. He's like, well, I just don't know if I can trust him. Well, duh. The answer is no, you can't trust him. (laughs) And so she was... She was forgiving and because it's like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's what the Bible says. I'm supposed to forgive. I'm like, okay, yeah, but that's not the the amends part. The restitution part has to be, he has to want to change. He has to recognize how much it's hurting her. He has to recognize the damage that it's doing um, to to the relationship. And she has to set the boundaries and say, no, you cannot come back until you get counseling. You join a men's group, a support group. Um, maybe a um, sex anonymous addicts group or, you know, whatever. You have to insist that the person get some sort of instruction to change their behavior. Because if they just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, you're bringing the problem right back into the house. You have to insist, what have you done to change the behavior and and then, you know, did you take a class? Did you go to counseling? Did you join a group? Like, go to AA? Like, whatever it is, you have to make sure that that person has gone through those steps because the, the thought process has to change. The behavior has to change. They have to realize the damage that they've done to you. And they have to be like, that. we talked before about the difference between um, an apology and repentance. And it's just someone saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, is all about, like, if I did something to you, that means that I'm feeling bad. I'm in the spotlight. I don't. I want the spotlight to be taken off me because I did something wrong. So I'm like, oh, please, for, I'm so sorry. And please forgive me, right? But if I keep doing it again and again, then you're going to be like, okay, but you keep saying you're sorry, but you keep doing it. Repentance simply means you're just going to turn the other way and you're not going to do the behavior anymore because, and that's about the other person. So it's like, no, I recognize that I'm hurting you. I recognize the damage that it's causing you. And I don't want to cause you pain anymore. And so I'm going to stop doing that, even though I want to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore because your pain is more important to me and your happiness is more important to me than this thing that I'm doing. And so I'm going to, I'm going to repent, which means I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to stop causing you. So in that case, my feelings are more about you than they are about me and what it is that I'm my personal gratification. And so if someone is simply saying, I'm sorry, and then they keep doing it, okay, get rid of them. Unless you're, they're like willing to go through these steps. And if they're not engaging in your pain, if they're not engaging in how their behavior is hurting you, that's not a good like scenario. Reconciliation can't come. You're not ready for that yet. Yeah, and the other thing too is keep in mind that each situation is going to be different. Each yes, each each um, example, each relationship is going to be different. So just because something worked or didn't work for this group or these people here doesn't mean it's going to work or not work for you. So you got to realize who you are and what your situation is and then adapt accordingly. 
you know. And so, again, the situation might be where you just want to do it for you, and so you want to find that inner peace, so then you take action accordingly. Or there might be a genuine need to kind of build that bridge again and restore that relationship, so then it takes both of you. So, again, each individual person has to realize or think, okay, what is it that I want out of this? And then take steps accordingly. And just because it didn't work, because that's one of the things I hear all the time. Oh, so-and-so, like you mentioned on counseling maybe, so-and-so went to counseling and it didn't work for them, so I'm not going to go. That's well, so silly. just because it went for them doesn't mean it went, you know, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And the fact that you go shows courage in the fact that you went. Right. Uh, because you're seeking out something. And that's in anything. Take anything that you do. Okay. And, well, and, and I just want to stop you just for a second right there because when people say it didn't work for me, what they're really saying is, I don't want to engage in what they're asking me to do. I.e., I don't want to be humble. I don't want to admit my weaknesses. I don't want to admit my faults. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and, and that's something that you have to have inner reflection on. <laughs> but, but again, just because it didn't work for them doesn't mean it's not going to work for you or whatever it is. Right. I mean, you know, we're sitting in the shadows of the Hollywood sign here in the, the Hollywood Hills, and there's a lot of people that came to Hollywood to make it big. Some of them did. A lot of them didn't. But if you think about the people that did make it, how many of them let their obstacles get in the way and just give up? Oh, it didn't work for all these other people. They're all waiting tables at the restaurants around town and so forth because every waiter in L.A. is a wannabe you know, movie star, actor, actress. So just because it didn't work for them, I'm going to give up. No, they continue to pursue. They continue to overcome those obstacles. They continue to have that drive. And that's what it sometimes takes. It might not be the sexiest thing in the world to want to build a relationship and bridge that relationship again, restore a relationship, but you might want to do that. I mean, the best thing, uh, one of the funniest things I heard was I went to a Van Halen concert a couple years ago, uh, and um, David Lee Roth, you know, he's up there talking, and, and he makes the comment that, you know, every couple of years – the Van Halen brothers would reach out to him. Uh, let's go on tour. Let's make some money and we'll play. And so they go on tour, they make some money, they play, and then something happens and they fight and they break up. Then a couple of years later, they come back, you know, and it's this re- recurring thing. And it became almost like a joke for them because it was their formula, mm-hmm. you know, because again, you got these big egos and stuff. But for them, people might look at it and see like, why do you go back? Why do you go back? Well, for that time that they're touring and having fun, it works. Yeah. And so maybe for them, as oddball as that might be, it worked. So you never know. So, again, it's up to you to decide what you want and how you want it and if you want to make it work. But you also have to realize that's going to be a process. It's going to be hard. It could be a struggle. It's not going to be easy. Not happen overnight. Might not happen at all. But don't give up if that's what you truly want just because it didn't work for somebody else. The pain process is what we have to decide whether or not we want to. Right. How much pain are we willing to, because <laughs> sometimes we say, oh, it's okay. I know this person is, you know, dysfunctional. I know they're hurting me, but it's okay. Like I'm going to accept it. You know, we, there's pain in that too. You know, if we don't stand up for ourselves. And again, <laughs> if anything, you can be selfish and think about, okay, I want healing for myself. I want inner peace. And so therefore I might take action accordingly yeah. for myself. Exactly. Yeah. It's tricky. No, no easy answers. But anyways, uh, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast is who we are. You can find us there on Instagram. There's a link in the bio where you can find some cool swag, like my shirt, my <laughs> polo, nice. my hat. Very nice. You can uh, go to the swag shop and get some cool TSA. Christmas is coming. Yes, it is. Makes out for some good gifts. Um, 
And so uh, check us out there on Instagram, TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast. You can also Google search us, and we come up. Um, YouTube, uh, Pandora, Spotify, you know, Google Podcasts, all the places, Apple. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, Edom Rocks at Instagram, uh, link in the bio. And then also check out Radio Warp, W, uh, obviously everybody knows it's WWW by now, but Radio Warp, R-A-D-I-O-W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You get way cooler music than what's playing behind us. <laughs> um, and we're on there right now, Mondays and Wednesdays, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific time, and you can find us there. We can find you. I am at Tara Hoke Shiro, T-A-R-A-H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O. There's a link in, uh, on that page as well that will take you to my website. I have a blog. There's a video podcast library. The Swag Shop is there. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. And I'm about to go Terminator on these flies that are buzzing by me. I know. And so, uh, <laughs> hey, take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Be kind. And don't be an a-hole. Thanks, guys.